Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. It was last week that we, uh, we announced the Hilliard Back to School Fair, and uh, if, if you don't know, that is a back to school fair that we do uh, every August for, for students from Hilliard that may not be able to buy their own school supplies, and, and so we, uh, we put the QR code up for that. Uh, I wanted to report to you uh, that one-third of our supplies have already been purchased, and so we're, we're excited about that. Uh, if, if you're someone that didn't purchase something yet, uh, I'm not shaming you, that just means that you'd be really really welcome in my family because we didn't buy anything yet either, right? So uh, if you're looking for motivation, uh, there, there are two-thirds of the supplies left. You can scan that QR code. It'll take you to our Amazon list. Uh, it should default on that Amazon list that everything ships to the office. Uh, I was blown away every time I went to the office this week. I'd like drive past there and be like, there's more packages. Okay, I'll, I'll go. And sometimes they're getting rained on. They're in plastic bags. It's fine. But I'd just be carrying them in and hurting my fingers. And I love you guys for that. So uh, thank you so much for buying those things. Hope you'll continue to do that. Uh, we're excited about that event and, uh, and excited that, that you can contribute. Uh, one other thing that, that we've been announcing, uh, we have our prayer and progress party uh, to go and, and get tours and, and see our new building. It's today after second service. So don't tell second service I said this, but you're the smart people for coming to first service. You can just casually go to Chipotle after this, take your time and then go out to the prayer and progress party. They're gonna be the ones that are like racing and mad about how long the line is and all that stuff. So we'll, uh, we'll see you there at one o'clock. Uh, park at the, the middle school, the high school, walk on over over. Shouldn't be too muddy. Uh, but if you get mud on your shoes, that's your problem. Okay. I'll have my muck boots on up to my knees just in case to look weird. All right. Okay. All right. We'll see you guys there. Uh, and, and so we're, we're excited about that. Uh, we get to continue uh, our series today. Uh, we're walking through the, the book of Proverbs. And as we get going here, I want to uh, just, just open with a, a question, uh, kind of our, our question of the day. We've been doing this a little more and more. I want to warn you again. If you're not an extrovert, this, this time is not meant to intimidate you, uh, but I'm hoping you can, you can ask this question uh, that, that you're, you're hopefully thinking about to the people around you, all right? First question is, what is something that makes you really impatient? Second question, when is the last time you were impatient, all right? So we're going to take like a couple minutes here. Maybe you don't want to share this. Maybe the last time you're impatient is the person you're married to that's sitting next to you. So maybe it's a time to make up right now. I don't know. All right. But feel free. We're going to play some music, answer those two questions. Uh, go ahead, talk to the people next to you, people around you. I'll call you back together here in a couple minutes. If you're an introvert and you don't want to talk to anyone, just pretend to be on your phone. All right. It's what you do right now. Maybe this is your chance to meet someone, get to know someone, answer those questions. We'll talk to you here in a few minutes. All right. All right. I am, uh, we're going to call out the extreme extroverts now. Is anyone willing to share their answer? What is something that makes you really impatient? When's the last time you were impatient? Anybody? And we got an answer? Honked at someone this morning. Okay. Anyone feeling like they lost their salvation on the drive to church somehow? Don't want to talk about it, but okay. Yeah? Oh, you lost your No. It's a terrible joke. You cannot lose your salvation. It's secure because of what Jesus did. I shouldn't have said that. All right. Uh, any, anybody else? When's the last time you were impatient? What's something that makes you impatient? Anybody got one? Shout it out. Children. Mine are in the room, so I'm going to firmly disagree 
so that they still love me, but yeah. Left turn arrows, yeah. And if you're not patient with those, it could get really bad for you. So be patient on that one, all right? All right, yeah, my, uh, my, my answers, I was trying to think of, of what some of these were. Uh, I, I wait till everyone goes to bed at night and I straighten up the living room. It makes me feel better. So I get impatient every time there's a pillow on the floor. I know that's really sad and it doesn't sound tough as I say it, but I just wanted to share that answer for therapy. Uh, this week, the internet went out at the office and that got really tense too. When a, when a webpage doesn't load in like 0.1 seconds, I'm like furious. I'm like, what is wrong? The world is falling apart. It's sad. Anybody else got, got one you want to share? The pool? Yeah. Yeah, just people at the pool. I get it. I get it. I've been there. I've been there. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, we're, we're talking about this, uh, this topic of, of being impatient uh, today. We're talking about being patient and the power of, of patience. We've been walking through the book of Proverbs. Uh, we've been walking through this book all summer, kind of hitting some, some high points of it. Proverbs is the book of wisdom, and we've defined wisdom as the, the use and application of knowledge. Uh, and so maybe you remember some of these big ideas for the last couple of weeks, but we've said that reverence for God is the foundation of wisdom. We said the Lord gives wisdom to those who chase it. Wisdom leads to life. Foolishness leads to suffering. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we said do life with the wise. Uh, one week we said you can't measure what you can't manage. And so budget, tithe, and save your money and let God turn you into a generous person. And then last week, we talked about envy. We said that envy sucks the joy out of your life. See what I did there? See what I did? All right, it's not my joke. It's not my joke. All right, uh, today we're in uh, chapter 16, and we're talking uh, about patience. And so go ahead and turn to Proverbs 16. We're going to be in uh, verse 1. It's on page 384. If you've got one of those Bibles there that's by your feet, you can pick that up and turn to Proverbs 16, 1, page 384. Follow along and uh, take some notes. And uh, you may think we're talking about many things. I promise you, we're going to get to patience. You'll just have to be patient. Yes, that's ironic, but I didn't write this chapter, all right? So Proverbs 16, verse 1, page 384 says this. We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives, these, uh, these verses are, are kind of telling us that no matter what we do, no matter what we plan in life, God is in control of the, the final outcome. And so I think sometimes as we read that, we probably instantly think like, well, then why would I even make plans? Why would I, why would I pretend that I'm controlling anything if God's going to control the outcome? And the truth is that God invites us to be a part of what he's doing when our plans line up with his plans and our heart lines up with his heart. And so maybe you've heard the phrase that we should plan as if it depends on us and pray as if it depends on God because God is asking us to, to submit to his guidance, to submit to him, to follow him, to act on our plan and act on his plan as if we're trusting him. And so the, the truth of these verses is that our plans only come to fruition if God allows. Verse three says this, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. I, I can't help but think of all the times I've tried to do something on my own where I thought I had a great idea, where I thought I was going to conquer the world. I'm thinking, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm gonna do it. It's gonna be awesome. What a great idea. Man, I'm so smart. And a few days or weeks or months into that something, I think, hey, I wonder, I wonder if I should pray about this. 
And I'm sure no one else here has ever made this mistake, so I'll just talk about myself. But, but sometimes we think like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if I should pray about this. I wonder if I should give this to God. I wonder if God's even in this. I wonder if God wants me to do this. And there's a few different ways that people fail to give their plans to God. Here they are. Some people commit their work superficially. They say, this project is being done for God, but in reality, they're doing it for themselves. Some people give God temporary control of what they're doing only to take that control back and say, all right, God, I prayed about it just so I'd feel good and it would look good. I'm gonna be in charge now. And still others commit a task fully to the Lord. They say, God, if you want this to happen, you're going to bless it. God, you've put this on my heart. I believe you're leading me this way. And so I'm going to follow you and trust you. And yet they wonder why they don't succeed. The reality is sometimes God isn't leading us where we think he's leading us. But when God affirms our plans, things are going to make sense and things are going to be accomplished. And we have to find that delicate balance between following God and yet doing our due diligence to plan and work to make those plans he's put on our heart happen. Here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what you can write down. Our path should line up with God's plan. Our path should line up with God's plan. And maybe that sounds like something where you're like, well, yeah, of course our path should line up with God's plan. But sometimes God's plan is obviously over here and we're walking this way. Or sometimes we pretend to walk God's way and then we trail off to our way. If our path and the place we're going and taking our family and taking our life and taking the people around us doesn't line up with what God is leading us to do, it's not going to be blessed and we're going to have problems and we're going to see that there are inadequacies in what we're doing. Verse four says this, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Now, the first time I read that, I thought like, does that mean that God is saying that he made wicked people just so there could be a disaster? And that's not what this verse is getting at. It's, it's saying that, that even, even people who are doing wrong things, even when we live in a world that's full of sin, God can use those things and God does use those things to accomplish his purposes. So when things aren't perfect, when things aren't great, when, when people around you are, are not doing what you'd want them to do, when people are doing wrong things and you feel like they're, they're thriving and being blessed, God is using those things to accomplish his purposes and he wants you to be a part of those purposes. And evil is a temporary condition. It's something that he's eventually going to destroy and take out of the world. And so we have to trust what God is doing even when we're watching evil all around us. Verse five says this, the Lord detests the proud. They will surely be punished. Now, none of us, ever think we're proud. So we read a verse like that. And we've talked about this heart throughout this, this book and this series, but we read a, a verse about the pride of others. And we think like, oh, I can think of someone like that. I, I know a, a person like that, someone that we have a problem with, someone that's our enemy, someone that we're looking down on. And we think like, yep, yep. God detests that person. And, and he's, he's going to take care of it. And the truth is that we're never asking, is there a place that I have pride? Is there a place where I'm not following God or where I'm looking to do my own thing? Here's how we can define pride. Pride is the voice that whispers, my way is best. Pride is the voice that whispers, my way is best. And so when we're aware of God's way, we're aware of how God is calling us and what he's asking us to do. And we think like, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying there, God, but have you thought about this? Have you thought about it my way? I sure have thought about it my way and I'm going to do it my way. And the reality is that pride is resisting God's leadership. Pride is looking away or walking away from God's leadership and believing that we can do it on our own, believing that we don't need his help and we don't need his involvement. 
And whenever you find yourself doing things your way or looking down on his way or looking down on other people for following his way, you can be pretty confident that you're being controlled by pride. So if you're keeping score here, ask yourself, is there something in your life in this season over these last weeks and months, something that you failed to give God control of? Something that you've failed to say, God, will you join me in this? God, if this is what you want, I want you to to help guide me. I want this to be done in step with you. Is there something that God has called you to and you, you know the way he's calling you to do it? You know how he's calling you to chart your career. You know how he's wanting you to execute your business. You know what he's wanting you to do with your money, but you haven't really said, hey, God, I'm gonna follow your way. In fact, you've said, God, I see your way, but I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that. God, I'm gonna follow my own way. Verse six, unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. God's unfailing love and faithfulness, the fact that he doesn't give up on us, the fact that we can't lose our salvation or lose our connection or relationship with him is the the foundation, the, the bedrock of scripture. We see God's commitment to the Israelites in the Old Testament. We see God's commitment to us as his people today. And we may want other people to like us and approve of us, Sometimes we'll do just about anything to win their approval, but God is is saying, listen, put your energy into pleasing me. Don't worry about pleasing the world. Don't worry about pleasing other people. Please me with your life. Eliminate pride. And only when you eliminate pride can you become all that God's made you to be. Verses eight through 15 read like this. Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. The king speaks with divine wisdom. He must never judge unfairly. The Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. A king detests wrongdoing for his rule is built on justice. The king is pleased with words from righteous lips. He loves those who speak honestly. The anger of the king is a deadly threat. The wise will try to appease it. When the king smiles, there is life. His favor refreshes like a spring rain. The king in these verses is, is kind of represented as, as wise and, and godly. And many of Israel's kings were not what I would call wise and godly. They were people who loved sin and ran after sin. And so the audience that read this could have thought like, wait, this is talking about a king. This is not what I think of my king. And I'm not trying to be political. We're talking about a couple thousand years ago. So if you think I'm going there, sorry, I'm not. All right. But Israel's kings may have had something in common with our kings. They weren't always in the spots that they were supposed to be. And so they would have read this and thought, who is, who is this person talking about? See, the king in these verses represents God. The king in these verses is not a, a lowercase k, it's a capital K, and it's talking about God. It's talking about his power on earth. It's talking about his character and what he's capable of. And so this king is powerful, and people would be wise to avoid his anger and avoid his wrath and gain his favor. And sometimes... We're tempted to to not do things that are honorable. Sometimes we're tempted to not do things that are wise. Sometimes in our business practices, in our parenting, in our relationships, in the things we do, we're tempted to kind of make things work for us and not take care of other people and take something that's due them or or, or tip the scales so they favor us a little bit more. And, And what these verses are saying is if we obey God, if we're honoring God, there's no middle ground. 
There's no way that you can say, oh, I'm taking care of myself and I'm also kind of worried about other people. You're either doing the right thing or you're not. And God demands honesty in every business transaction. God demands that we live lives of truth in the way that we parent, in the way that we lead, in the way that we interact, in our friendships, in our relationships. God wants the scales to represent his heart and his character. And honesty and fairness aren't always easy, but they're the right thing and they're what honors the king. They're what God demands. Verse 16 says this, how much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver. The path of the virtuous leads away from evil. Whoever follows that path is safe. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Wisdom and good judgment may lead to wealth, but wealth can't buy wisdom. If wealth could buy wisdom, the richest people in the world would be the smartest people in the world, would be the wisest people in the world. And sometimes, many times, most of the times, money actually pulls people away from God. Money actually pulls people away from a path that's walking after God. And the pride of people who resist God is usually obvious as we look at their lives because they're relying on their own strength. They're relying on their own provision. They're relying on the things that they can do and the things that they can provide for themselves and for others. And their money and their pride actually becomes self-destructive in their own hearts. Their money and their pride eventually represents itself as as foolishness and arrogance. And we see people who refuse to look to God, who refuse to follow God, who refuse to follow God's heart. People who have everything they need or think they have everything they need refuse to rely on God, refuse to ask for God's help, refuse to bow their knee and follow his way. And eventually their lives fall apart and their minds fall apart and their hearts fall apart. And we see that. Proud people don't realize that they have weaknesses. Proud people don't realize that they're, they're walking toward destruction. They're walking toward sin. They're walking toward death. And ironically, the people that we think are doing the best in life are sometimes doing the worst. The people that we think, wow, I wish I could be like them. Man, I wish God would bless me like that. Look at all the things they have. Look at all the success they have. And yet if you could see in their life, if you could see in their heart, if you could see what's going on in their marriage and their family and their friendships, you'd see them trailing away from God and being stretched away from God. So does that mean that if if we have a couple hundred dollars in our checking account that we need to go and spend that today or get rid of it or give it to someone because it's going to separate us from God? No, the two often overlap, but the, the true test here is pride. So how do we know we're struggling with pride. Well, hopefully you have people in your life who will tell you when you're struggling with pride. Some of you wear a ring because you live with someone who will tell you when you've got pride in your life or in your heart. Some of you have friends that you're close to because they'll just look you in the eye and be like, hey, dude, you're being, you're being arrogant right now. We need to make sure that we're in relationships, that we're in community where people can speak into our lives and speak into our practices and speak into our heart and say, hey, I love you, but I don't don't like what I see out of your life right now. We need to make sure that we're in spaces where people can help us test ourselves, where people can speak into our lives and speak into what's going on. See, we already said that our path should line up with God's plan. 
Here's the second thing that you can know. Pride doesn't please God. It's talked about in verses five and and verses 18. Pride does not please God. And when we're relying on ourselves and, and thinking we're great, we're walking away from God. Pride will be punished. I know what you're thinking, Mark, you said today was about patience or maybe impatience. And uh, yeah, like I said, we're going to have to be patient to, to get there, but just know these things that our past should line up with God's plan and pride doesn't please God. Verse 19 says this, better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. The wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. Discretion is a life-giving fountain to those who possess it, but discipline is wasted on fools. Maybe you've seen a movie or, or read a book about the fountain of youth. Uh, this, this quest that somewhere, someplace, there's this fountain that gives life, that renews life, that makes people younger so they can live forever and be great and conquer the world. And that, that conquest, that, that rumor, that story existed back in the times of the Bible. And people had been looking for the fountain of youth for thousands of years. It's not just in Disney movies. It's not just in books. It was a real thing that existed, a real rumor and something that people would sail all over the world looking for. I don't want to ruin anyone's vacation plans this year, but the fountain of youth is a lie. The fountain of youth does not exist as this dream that people thought it did. But here's what you can know. God's wisdom gives us discretion. God's wisdom gives us life. And when we live by God's word, when we lean into a relationship with God, he washes away the deadly effects of sin, the things that lead to death, and he is our fountain. God's wisdom is our hope of eternal life. He gives us joyful perspective. He gives us everything in a relationship with him. And so these verses are saying You can be enlightened by God's wisdom or you can be dragged down by your own way of foolishness. You have access to the fountain of youth. The choice is up to you and I. Verse 23, from a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. It is good for workers to have an appetite An empty stomach drives them on. Scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Violent people mislead their companions, leading them down a harmful path. With narrowed eyes, people plot evil. With a smirk, they plan their mischief. There's many verses there that are, that are talked about, some that are repeated, some that are being stressed. Again, there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death is an echo of a verse that we've already read. And what these verses are saying this, there's always going to be troublemakers. There's always going to be people who are looking for their own success, who aren't worried about where God's taking them. There's going to be violent people who disrupt relationships. There's going to be people who create drama. There's going to be people who are trying to drag you off the path of what God has for you and God's people, people who are committed to him, people who have their eyes on him, people who have a relationship with him cannot get caught up in that. We cannot get caught up in drama. We cannot get caught up in evil. We cannot get caught up in in all of the things that are going on around us in the world. We're told to be wise. 
We're told to be people who are thoughtful, who are well-spoken, who are humble, who are driven, yet following God. And we're told to act better than those conditions. We're told to rise above those things. There are going to be people who attack you. It's not your problem. It's not your concern. We're told to rise above those things. Verse 31 says this, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. Godly people grow in wisdom as they live life. Godly people grow in wisdom as they, as they grow older. And so this verse might seem like a funny little phrase or a saying. And some of us are looking around the room saying like, okay, who has, who has gray hair? But I think it's pretty ironic that this verse says this. And yet in our culture, we think like, oh, I don't want to have gray hair. I'm going to, I'm going to dye my hair. I'm going to cover that up. I'm going to be ashamed of gray hair. These verses are saying that gray hair is not a sign of disgrace. Gray hair is a sign of aging. And as you age and walk with God, he changes you and molds you and shapes you. And so gray hair, when it represents a life that's been lived walking with God, is an incredible gift. It's an incredible honor. I would love to have any hair, let alone gray hair. So I hope if there's someone in the room with beautiful thick gray hair, I hope that you'll, you'll grow it out and let the rest of the world see it because this, this is not just some fun phrase. This is a fact. When you've walked with God, when you've lived with God, when you've grown in wisdom, God's saying, listen, that's an honor to have that. And you're telling the world what it looks like to, to walk with me. Culture would tell us to be ashamed of growing old and culture will tell us to be ashamed of, of our skin looking different and our hair looking different and these verses are cutting right through some shallow parts of culture and saying, listen, it's an honor to walk with God, to grow with God and to have gray hair. And so if you, if you encounter people who are embarrassed of their gray hair or trying to cover it up or hide it, tell them it's an honor. Tell them that they've been blessed to walk with God. And as you interact with older people, as you deal with older people, tell them about your respect for them. Tell them about the way that you respect how they've walked with God. It stands out, it stands apart, and honestly, it's rare. It's not often you see someone embracing who they are, embracing where God has put them, and embracing how he's grown them. Verse 32 says this. We're finally getting to the patience part. Thank you for being patient. It says this. It's better to be patient than powerful. It's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. These verses are straightforward and pretty simple to say this, that patience and self-control are far more valuable than, than brute force. Sometimes we think that we can own things, we can control things, we can take over cities, and yet these verses are saying, no, it's actually better to have patience. Self-control is better than any conquest that you can win or go on or any retaliation that you can do. Success in business, success in school, success in home, success in your relationships, all of those things can be ruined if we lose control of our temper, if we lose control of our discipline, if we lose control of who we are and who God wants us to be. It is a great personal victory to control your temper. It is a great personal victory to control yourself. The next time you're ready to explode, the next time you're ready to lash out against someone, the next time you're ready to raise your voice, the next time you're ready to attack someone, remember these words. 
Remember that losing self-control could actually cause you to forfeit the thing that you want most. And that's walking with God and honoring God and loving people. It's better to be patient than powerful. We put powerful in parentheses there because if you've listened to these other verses building up to this verse, the things that we think make us powerful and give us power don't really matter. They lead to destruction. They lead to death. They lead away from God. And so when we're flexing our muscles and sticking our chest out and saying, man, I'm so powerful. Look at me pursuing this power. Look at me winning at life. We're not really winning at anything. Patience is better than power. When I was uh, little, we used to play a, a game. I don't know what the game is called. We called it the hot cold game because we didn't have a better name for it. But basically someone would hide something and, and we, would, uh, we would look for that thing. And so imagine if I had hid something in here and you were walking around the room and, and, and I hid the thing way back there and you're walking over here and I would say something like this, like cold, 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 cold. Cold. Anyone else ever play this game or did you guys have real toys? Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. My family was just maybe really boring. I don't know, but we, we would, we would look for something and you hear that cold, 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 cold. Right. And then you'd, you'd start to you'd be like, all right, it must be cold. So you start to walk the other way and you hear like warmer, warmer, warm, warmer, warmer, warm, 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 hot, 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 hot. Right. And you know, when you got near that thing, because, because the person that was, was, was kind of calling out those commands would tell you when you were cold, tell you when you were ice cold, tell you when you were freezing cold, tell you when you were warm, getting warmer, when you were hot, scalding hot, burning hot, 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 hot. They'd say those things. And we used to, we used to play that game and it would kind of signify like, Hey, you're, you're in the right spot. Or you're in the, you're in the right direction. You're walking the right direction. You're, you're doing the right thing. And this proverb kind of boils down to this concept. It tells us a similar thing that, that sometimes we're just walking on a path that's wrong. Sometimes we're consciously walking on a path that's taking us away from where God wants us, away from where he's guiding us and away from where he's, he's been leading us and our, our life is just cold. Cold, 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 getting colder and, and things are falling apart. And sometimes we're displaying pride and we're displaying these emotions that we think we're powerful and we think we're in control and we think we don't need God and we think we can do it on our own. And that's when things are cold. When we're being driven by selfishness, when we're being driven by success and and power, we're far from God. And yet these, these verses tell us this, when we're walking in God's plan, when we're eliminating pride, when we're being patient, that's when we're getting warmer. That's when we're in the place we should be, the situation we should be, the path that we should be walking on. That's when we're displaying God's character. That's when we're walking with Jesus. That's when we're pleasing God. Here's some verses from First Peter that kind of spell this out. They, they say this, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment." The things that we don't want to trust, the things that we don't want to follow, the things that we don't want to believe are all based on on patience. 
See, when things aren't happening or unfolding as, as we like, God is calling us to trust him. And God is calling us to show faith in his plan and in this world and in the circumstances and things that he is ultimately in control of. And when we can't show patience, it's because we're saying, God, you're not really in control. And when we can't show patience, it's because we're saying, God, I think I know how to handle this better than you. And so the next time that you're, you're tempted to be impatient, realize that, that God is asking you to trust him. God is asking you to walk with him. God is asking you to watch things unfold in his plan and his time. Another word for faith is patience. Another word for trust is patience. And so a way to describe a lack of faith or a lack of trust would be impatience. Most of the things that we encounter in life require patience because walking with God and depending on God requires faith and trust. And so God's patience that he's imparting to us molds us. God's patience that he calls us to shapes us and changes us. God's patience saves us. God's patience is, is with us. God's patience is powerful and will mold us and shape us if we'll let it be. God's patience is powerful. I was thinking this week of different times in scripture that people showed patience and my mind immediately went to Hebrews 11. There's a passage in Hebrews 11 that's kind of called the, the hall of faith. It lists like all these great people, these characters from the Old Testament, all the famous people that we've read stories about. It talks about Noah, it talks about Abraham, it talks about Isaac, it talks about Moses, it talks about David. All the people that you learned about in Sunday school, all of the stories, all of the people that you wanna know about and it says this, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us. These are the people that we look up to. These are the people that we respect. And what set them apart? Their faith, their trust, their patience in God's character, knowing that he had something better for them. Faith is patience and, and love itself is patience and ministry is patience and parenting is patience and leadership is patience. Are you noticing a, a pattern here? You and I are called to be patient because we're called to realize that life isn't about us and life doesn't depend on us and we don't control things and everything is not dependent on us being powerful and awesome. So when we can follow God's plan, we're surrendering our ego. When we can trust what God is doing, we're surrendering control. And we get to live out through our lives, through our actions that we're not in control. We get to live out for our families and for our kids and for our coworkers and our neighbors and the people around us that we don't accomplish everything. When you get to show patience, you're pointing people to Jesus. When you get to show patience, you're pointing the world that, that you don't run everything, that everything's not about you and that you know someone who's got a better idea than you. God's patience is powerful. Your impatience is not powerful. You might remember uh, last week, if you were here, I told you that I, I took my car and it was just making a little knocking noise and they're like, hey, that's gonna be a couple thousand dollars. And I was like, okay, didn't wanna hear that. Thanks for nothing, guys. And I, I kind of realized that, that God provides. I had to learn that lesson that I was teaching on and supposed to be an expert on in a, in a little harder way last week. Well, this week they called back and they're like, hey, remember, 
Remember how much we said that that car was going to cost? It's actually going to cost a couple thousand more and you need a new engine. And I was like, is this a joke, God? When I'm, when I'm teaching on the fact that you provide, you remind me that you provide. And now that I'm supposed to be patient, you're reminding me that they've had my car for a couple of weeks now. And it's going to cost even more. And I, I smiled thinking, I guess I'm supposed to tell this story because I was reminded that I'm not in control and I don't provide and I don't have a better idea and I'm not smarter than God. And he's calling me to patience so that I can live that out so that I can show that to the world. But more importantly, he's, he's calling me to patience so that his character can change my character. And so the circumstances he's taking me through are shaping me and molding me. Here's a big idea to, to think about and, and pray about as we go home this week. God's patience with us fuels our patience with others. God is patient with us. He's loving with us. He's kind. He's gracious. And even when we mess up, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to give his life for us. Even when we're turning our back, even when we think we know better, even when we're walking toward death, God is patient with us. And that should drive our patience with others. That should drive our patience in our lives. And that should drive our patience with the world. Let's be people whose lives look different this week because we're patient. Let me pray. God, we are furthest from you and running from you when we're impatient. We're furthest from you and running from you when we're following our own way, when we're acting in pride, when we're trying to pursue power and win at all costs. And yet, Lord, you are patient with us and your patience is an example in our lives and points us to others. And so, Lord, help us to be people who look to you, who trust you, who are shaped by you. God, help us to know that your patience is never ending. Your patience is love. Your patience is leading us and your patience is pointing us to relationship and to your grace. So God, help us to be people who are shaped this week by your patience. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.